That's where he is today. Uh, if I had to see you last week because you were still on holiday, <laughs> you were still on holiday. Hello, nice to see you. And if you're new, we just want to welcome you back too. <coughs> uh, sorry, welcome you into the house. Sorry, I'm just trying to find something. Oh well, we'll just we'll just make it up. Um, <clears throat> in our house, at the, so I got two 16-year-old boys in our house. And one of the things, um, it was a, what was it? They would say it was a lecture. I would say it was a conversation. It was a communication from dad to sons. And it was this. It's what we talked about in the, a few days ago was initiative. So I've got two boys. They're 16, and they're turn, so they'll turn 17 at the end of the year. They're actually going off to work with um, Pete tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. And so one of the things that we talked about was initiative. And anybody who is over the age of 16 would agree that, you know, you get to a certain point in your life and actually it's about initiative. And you've got to start doing things for yourself. Would we agree? Okay, cool. Was that Jay at the back there? <clears throat> so this is where, this is, and I, I, I want to be encouraging, okay? I don't need a worship team to worship God. What I can't do is I can't come into a house because this is the wrong concept that I really believe that we have when we come into the house. When we come into the house, I think that what we do is when, we, when we're, we're either before we're Christian or we've just become Christians when we come to the, into the house is we have the mindset or the understanding that actually I'm here to be ministered to. And that's incorrect. Whether you are a Christian of 10 years, 15 years, 20 years or a day. The correct mindset to have is when you walk into a church is actually I'm here to be equipped. And as I'm equipped, then I, wherever my uh, fear, sphere of influence is, I'm equipped to deal with that. I'm equipped to minister. And so what that means is, is, is that, because this is where we can fall into a habit without realizing, you know, so like in, in our household, um, um, the, who's the coffee maker in our household? You've got full guesses. Somebody throw out a name. Alan, I wish. <laughs> okay, it's Leanne, and she's just naturally fallen into that. So what can naturally happen is, and this is what naturally happens, is when you come to my house, I'm the person that will ask you, would you like a cuppa? And then Leanne is the one that will make it. And I'm just, I'm just being serious. So some things just naturally fall into that order. So what can happen is, is, is that when we walk in here, if we think to ourselves, I'm here to be ministered to, then what happens is we come, we can take a seat there, we can look at the worship team expecting them to carry me into a place of worship. So this is the word that I want to encourage us this morning to have is, is this, because most of you are old enough, you're ugly enough, you've been in the Lord for a very long time, is this, you use your own initiative. They're just guiding you. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the last thing that I really believe that he wants is that we've got to look to somebody else to lead us into a place of thankfulness and grateful. And I really believe that in each and every one of us, we carry that place of being grateful and thankful. I don't know. There you go. Initiative. See, it wasn't, hey, it was a conversation, hey? That's what I tried to say. We're having a conversation. Okay. I have a confession to make. I was on holiday when I did this. So, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you speak. Um, so at the moment, what we are, we're in a, in a, in a what are we doing? We are doing uh, Proverbs, is what we're doing in this house. Okay, so I'm speaking on Proverbs chapter 1. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a lot of stuff out there, and hopefully some stuff uh, will stick to you, and you think, hey, that's me. Okay, 
Proverbs 1, wisdom's beginning and call. Uh, a brief summary as to what Proverbs in the book of Proverbs is and is not. Okay, so we're just talking about you know, the, the basic foundation. The book of Proverbs is a collection of practical life wisdom given mostly in short statements. They are part of a larger body of wisdom literature that includes Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. The book of Proverbs is unique in its structure, being mostly a collection of individual statements without much contents, and is not organized by topic. It is also different in being more concerned with practical life wisdom than ideas about God and his work of salvation. Proverbs is unique in its connection with the secular literature of its time. Neighboring kingdoms had their own collections of wisdom literature, and in some places there are significant similarities to these writings. The gene of wisdom literature was common in the ancient world, and lots of material came out from ancient Egypt. In short, Proverbs slash wisdom wasn't just a Jewish thing, but rather a world thing in ancient times. Proverbs teach wisdom through short points and principles. They are not spiritual laws or even promises. Proverbs wonderfully achieves at being what they are. Proverbs. They are not failed prophecies or fixed beliefs. Proverbs by design paint pictures of observations and are meant to be pondered upon. <clears throat> Proverbs are the nature Sorry, Proverbs are of the nature to take something specific and apply it across the board, making it a generalization. And Proverbs itself makes this clear. A proverb is not a magical formula bringing wisdom and blessing by chanting. Last point, Proverbs really quote other parts of the Bible. So that's the book of Proverbs. Um, I'm Māori, and I, you know what? So, so you go to Pete's place and he puts a boil up on. He likes cabbage, so he'll put cabbage in his, in his, in his, in his boil up. Uh, I, I like watercress, so if my auntie walks into my house and she brings in fresh watercress, then guess what's on the menu? It's, it's watercress. And if there's watercress left over tomorrow, then guess what's on the menu? It's watercress. So this is what I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, for those who read your Bible, which should be all of us, in the house is Proverbs. I want to encourage us. Read the book. That's why I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Read the book. Why? Because we're, we're talking. We're going through Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs. The writers of Proverbs. Solomon was the king of Israel, famous for his wisdom. In 1 Kings 3, verses 3 to 13, Solomon asked God for wisdom to lead God's people. 1 King 3, 16 to 28, tells us an amazing example of this wisdom in action. So what it was, was there was this guy, and his name was Solomon. He, he uh, could ask God for anything, and God actually says that he would have given him anything. And what he actually asked for, he says, God, I want wisdom to lead your people. And so, uh, and as an example that they give us is, is, is that there are these two women, and there is this one baby, and these two women have both said that the baby belongs to them. And they go to King Solomon, and they go, could you help us? Because this woman on this side says, this is my baby. And this woman on this side says, this is my baby. And so in his wisdom, what he says is he says, cut the baby in half. So they can have half each. And then the real mum cries out and says, no. Let the other woman have the baby. And so Solomon knew there and then who was the real mum and who wasn't the real mum. Man, that's wisdom. Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were 1,005. 
Solomon speaks of trees, he speaks of animals, he speaks of birds, creeping things, and of fish. Have you ever noticed in January how gravity is like more stronger than usual? Uh, <coughs> hey, sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> In his time, men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear the, the wisdom of Solomon. 1 Kings 4, verses 32 and 34. Queen of Sheba being noted as one of his admirers. Solomon is not the sole author of all these proverbs. The book tells us that it is the work of several authors. Three of these are named. Solomon, Agur, and Lemu. Others are mentioned collectively as wise men. And the last chapter, Proverbs 30, chapter 31, is written by Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous. The wisdom of Solomon and all these wonderful Proverbs can leave the reader to ponder. Sorry, let me read that again. The wisdom of Solomon and all these wonderful Proverbs can leave the reader to pause to ponder. And yet this remarkably wise man did not finish his life and wisdom. All right. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1 can be broken into three parts. Part 1, what is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? Part 2, the enticement of sinners. And part 3, the call of wisdom. So let's start reading. The beginning of knowledge. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. What is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? Verse 2. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is, is that you and I would know wisdom and instruction. So in the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, Solomon explains to you and I the purpose of these Proverbs. They are to give the attentive reader wisdom, instruction, perception, and understanding. So, what is the book of Proverbs about? It's about giving you and I wisdom, instruction, perception, and understanding. Verse 2, to know wisdom. We're living in the information age, but we certainly aren't living in the age of wisdom. There are many people who have a lot of information, but don't lead wise lives. Don't confuse information for wisdom. It is helpful to remember the difference between wisdom and knowledge. One may have knowledge without wisdom. Knowledge is the collection of facts. Wisdom is the right use of what we know for daily living. Knowledge can tell one how the financial system works. Wisdom manages a budget properly. But can we see there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Proverbs is something of a school of wisdom. We need to come with open hearts and minds receiving its teaching. And if we do, it will show us just, justice, judgment, and equity will flow from our lives. 
verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, or we could say to give caution to the simple. There are two types of people in the book of Proverbs, the wise and the simple. Turn to the person next to you and tell them which one you are. (laughs) There's only two types of people in the book of Proverbs, the wise and the simple. Okay, so there are two types of people that the book of Proverbs speaks to, the wise and the... You know what? Not everybody did that, eh? Some people did, some people like, I'm not going to ask you. Anyway, there are two types of people that are in the book of Proverbs, the wise and the simple. The simple people are uneducated and need instruction. The wise of this... Sorry, the wisdom of this book will make the young, inexperienced one know what to do and handle how to do it. Sorry. The simple people are uneducated and need instruction. The wisdom of this book will make the young and experienced one know what to do and how to do it in life. It will give the young man knowledge and discretion. Verse 4. So here's my side note. This is me personally. There is no greater teacher in the world than experience. Experience gives us insight that we can only receive through experience. And as a parent, I want my kids to be wise about some things, though they lack experience. As a parent, I can look at my kids and say, you're not very wise about that stuff. And this is probably due to my own experience and the wisdom God has given me. So as a parent, I have this question. How do my kids get wisdom without life experience? As an example, sex outside marriage. I don't want my kids to experience that so that they can get an insight as to why the Lord says don't do that. And praise the Lord, there is a way for them to accumulate wisdom without the need of experience. Through reading and pondering on the book of Proverbs. Verse 4. To the young person, knowledge and discretion. Therefore, my job is not to look down on the youth thinking that their their lack of life experience means that they lack wisdom and need to live life for a few years, have some ups and downs, and then qualify as having wisdom. Youth can have wisdom without experience, only through the book of Proverbs. So I'm going to go bang, because I want to make up that a point. So what happens is, is that I grew up in a generation, and I'm not the only one, but I would have grown up in a generation that, that actually the generations before me would have said to me that, you know what, I'm too young to know some stuff. And what I need to do is I just need to be quiet, and I need to watch and learn. And yes, there is a place there, but what it did was it, it, it almost disqualified, it's like my age disqualified me from having wisdom. And so I just want to break that right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because there are some young people that are in this house. And you know what? According to the Word of God, this says that through the book of Proverbs that they can obtain wisdom and knowledge. And I want to encourage that. And if you've got a teenager, if you've got someone that belongs to the youth group in this house, just like I've encouraged you to read your, the Word and to read Proverbs, I want to encourage you to get your young person to read it too, because that will give them wisdom. And I really believe that a time will come that actually a gener- God will raise up a generation and they'll just have that a, a young generation will rise up in wisdom and we'll just be like flabbergasted at what wisdom that they do have. Why can't it start here? Anyway, let's get back on point. Proverb tells us there are two types of people, the simple and the wise. One characteristic of the simple is that they are gullible. 
The simple believes every word, but the sensible considers his steps. Proverbs 14. Simple. The word indicates the person whose mind is dangerously open. Simple people are gullible and they are naive. They may have opinions, but they lack deeply thought through and field-tested convictions. A wise man will hear and increase learning. The book of Proverbs is not only for the simple and inexperienced. Even a wise man will find much to help and guide him if he will only hear. Even a man of understanding can attain wise counsel from Proverbs. So Proverbs says there are two types of people. There are simple people and there are wise people. Book of Proverbs says this is actually I'm for both. Which means that if I'm a simple person, I'm on this side, this is telling me this is for me. I can get wisdom through this. If I'm wise, and in some areas I am a little bit wise, the book of Proverbs says actually I can grow in that wisdom. Two types of people, the simple and the wise, but the book of Proverbs is for both. So this is what we can take out of the first six verses. Number one, to give the reader wisdom. How? By receiving with an open heart and mind. Solomon could have asked God for anything that he wanted to. What did he ask for? He asked God for wisdom to lead his people. This is my suggestion to you, is, is that we just come with a humble heart and you say, you know what, God, I just need wisdom in whatever situation that we're asking for. And I, I, I do this quite often. I'll ask for wisdom to be a husband because I get that wrong. And I ask for wisdom to be a to be a father because I get that wrong. Then I ask for wisdom in my finances because that's a really good thing. And then I actually ask for wisdom to lead in this church because I don't even know what I'm doing. And I want to encourage... <laughs> Nevada goes, I know. Um, <clears throat> all right, but I do, I want to encourage you. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. So, number one, to give the... Re- What's the point of the first six verses? To give the reader wisdom. Number two, there are two types of people, the simple and the wise. Wisdom is for both. And number three, youth can obtain wisdom as well. Moving on. Why your foundation is the most important part of your house. Sorry. Why your foundation is the most important part of your house. The foundation of your house may seem like a simple part of the overall construction process, but your foundation is the most important part of the entire project And the biggest reason for this is any mistakes you make in the foundation only gets worse as you build up. Verse 7. Verse 7 is the foundation of all wisdom. And And as we all know, foundation is always key. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The book of Proverbs focuses on practical life wisdom more than what to believe, yet it is founded on the vital belief principle, and that is, true knowledge and wisdom flow from the fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord is not a cowering, begging fear. It is a proper respect that the creature owes to the Creator, and that the redeemed owns to the Redeemer. It is the proper respect and honoring of God. It is that warm respect feeling by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to this Father's law. God should be regarded with respect, reverence, and awe. This proper attitude of the creature towards the Creator is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. 
Wisdom cannot advance further until the starting point is established. If true wisdom can simply be gained by human effort, energy, and being clever, then the fear of the Lord is not essential to obtaining wisdom. But if it comes from God's revelation, then right relationship with him is the key to wisdom. And we could say that the fall of man was a choosing to make one wise, but they disregarded the first principle of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. What's the point? Wisdom can only be found through relationship with God, and that relationship must include the fear of the Lord in my foundation, otherwise there'd be something very wrong with this building. The fear of the Lord is not the same as a human feeling of fear. When the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it does not talk about being scared of God. Rather, it is having the humility to acknowledge God is so great and big that I can't help but be in awe of Him. The fear of God means the knowledge of God and the consequence of that knowledge, Proverbs 2. What does that mean? So I grew up watching programs, and, and a lot of the programs that I watched that happened to have some sort of, you know, I don't know, like, um, uh, let's pick on Robin Hood. So Robin Hood, I'd grow up watching Robin Hood, and so there was Fair Tucker in there or whoever he was. So if that had an element of God in there, one of the things that I really, you know, looking back now, is, this, is, is that a lot of those Hollywood programs came across with the fear of God as something that God had to be afraid of. And there are churches, and I don't, I'm not going to name them, but there are church systems out there now that actually they have that same concept, that the fear of God is, you know what, you better behave because if you don't, God's going to whack you. And so what happened is, is I didn't realize, but I took on that mindset. And so when I came into, when I came into relationship with God, I came in carrying that, you know what, I need, needed to behave because if I didn't behave, he was going to whack me. And it took me a long, long time to understand that actually God does not whack people. But the fear of God, and I, so I took the word fear, I had taken my own personal experiences of watching TV and being influenced that way. The fear of God, the experiences, and my own feelings of what fear was, and I thought that when somebody says you need to have the fear of God, it was this, that I needed to be afraid of him. I needed to be scared. I needed to be, you know what, you better do the right thing or else you're gonna, he's gonna get, you're going to get in trouble of doing the wrong, sorry, otherwise you're going to get in trouble. And the reason why I say that is, 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 is that it's another mindset that actually we need to break down in the name of Jesus. If you've got something in your relationship with God where you have that fear that I'm talking about, and then I'm telling you now there's something that's not right. Even when you do wrong, even when you've done wrong, the 99th time and you go back, if you go into the presence of God after doing the same thing 99th time, you go back and you're head down and you're afraid of something that he might say to you. I'm going to be honest, there's something wrong in your thinking and you need to change it. God is a good God. End of story. God is a good God. Even when we do wrong, God is a good God. Does he want you to get away with doing wrong? No, he doesn't want you to. Does he approve of sin? No, he hates sin. But he's still a good God. He's still a loving father. And we need to have that right mindset. So what it does mean is, is, is that in part when we have the fear of the Lord, is I, I need to understand that the fear of the Lord is, is, is actually going, my gosh, he's a really good, big God. He's just huge. And I'm in awe of him. I don't get him. I don't understand him because it's just like, it's just too big for me to comprehend. 
And I need to understand that because I know this, that there are consequences, because there are consequences of knowing this. And as an example, I remember I read a story once, and it was the All Blacks, and Richie McCaw, he was, the, he was captain. I think he had just come in as captain, and I think uh, Graham Henry had just uh, uh, become the, the head coach. And so anyway, so the boys, they went out there, and they had a training um, exercise, and that, like a normal training exercise. And apparently it wasn't a great one, and they were laughing, and they were just all mucking around. And the coaches coaches didn't do anything about it they just went you know they were that's the end of our training and then the boys went to go off the field and Richie McCall stood up and went where are you going he says because this is unacceptable and so what happened from there on in he set a different standard and went you know our boys when we train and when, when we practice we have to practice to the stand the standard Here's a consequence. So, you know, I'm talking about the consequence of knowing God. So here's, here's an example of a consequence. The boys soon learned that under Richie, that actually this is what is expected of them. See, that's a consequence of knowing. And I think that, that we too, that in the fear of the God, that in, the, in having a fear of the Lord, is, 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 that, is, is, is that there are consequences. See, I don't want my kids not to do the, I don't want my kids to do the right thing because I'm going to hit them if they do the wrong thing. I don't want my kids to do the right thing because I'm going to reward them. I want my kids to do the right thing because, you know what, I'm dead. And I believe that in our relationship, that's just where God wants us to get it. I don't do wrong, not because I'm afraid of what he'll do. I don't do wrong because I'm afraid I'm going to miss out. I don't do wrong because I'm afraid that I'm going to miss out that he's going to bless me. I don't do wrong because he's God. I choose to lift my hands up in an awkward situation to praise him, not because I want to, not because you know, my arms are fresh. I choose to lift my hands up because he's God. See, that's a consequence of knowing him. I hope this makes sense. It did when I was in Furianga. Psalm 33 tells us that the fear of the Lord is respect for the power of God's word. The fear of the Lord is hating what he hates. Proverbs 8.13. God hates evil, pride, arrogance, and a perverse mouth. So we too must hate evil, pride, arrogance, and a perverse mouth. So this is what we can take out of verse 7. Because look, verse 7, that's the foundation. Eh? We talked about that. I get that right, then this comes right. If I don't get that right, I'm going to be walking around like this. Okay. So verse 7 in Proverbs 1 is, is the foundation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So this is what we can take out of verse 7. The foundation of all wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not about being scared of God. The fear of the Lord is humility before God. Knowing God, and because I know him, I live differently to the world. I believe and respect the power of God's word. And God, I hate what God hates. All right, verses 8 and 9. Can we scroll? Danny, thank you. Okay, my son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they are, will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains around your neck. My son, hear the instruction of your father. This is just in a warm and appropriate scene. At times, I lack wisdom. One, because I'm simple, or two, I'm just not wise enough yet. On both occasions, God does not approach me with the attitude that I'm dumb, or that he is a wise guru, and I, as his disciple, must come to him as my teacher. First and foremost, he is my loving father that is so willing to share his wisdom with me. I don't want Zachary coming to me going, oh, wise one, let me bow before you because you know everything. Hey, that's not relationship, is it? I can see why he would do that, but that's not the right approach. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. You know, anyway, what I want him to do is just say, hey, dad, I was thinking, what do you think? 
Does that make sense? All right. And it's the same when we ask God for wisdom. It's the same thing. Hey, Dad, I was just thinking, I wanted to buy a boat. What do you think? Okay. <clears throat> yes, he says. So if that's, uh, so, so this, so I want him to approach me as a loving father, and I've got to take that when I go and ask for wisdom as a loving father. Please don't, I used to do this, uh, and please don't do this. Um, I used to just go, boy, you're dumb, you need wisdom. Okay, don't do that. Moving on, my son is, my son is, my son, if sinners entice you, verse 10, if my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait and shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like shoal and hold and like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast you in your lot amongst us. Let us all have one purse. My son, if sinners entice you. Solomon's first warned his son about the danger of bad company. The actions of some people clearly reveal them to be sinners. Significantly, the first instruction that comes with the warning in the book of Proverbs speaks to the company we keep and the friendships we make. Who's in your walker? There are a few more powerful forces. For, sorry, there are a few more powerful forces and influences upon our life than the friends we choose. It has been said, "Show me your friends, and I can see your future." Just need to be wise in who we hang out with. Do not consent. Not even the devil himself can lead a man to sin until he consents. Here's one for you, consent. How much do you give how much consent do you give the devil? Let's just take a moment. Let's just close our eyes. This is a serious that's a good question. Heavenly Father, we, we, how much consent do we give the devil in our own lives? And I ask and pray that in Jesus' name that you would show us how much consent that we give the enemy. Come with us, let us lie and wait and shed blood. When the wicked plot their evil actions, the wise son will not consent. He will distance himself from them, no matter what the promised or potential gain may be. Part of their, entice, part of their enticement is simply the sense of belonging. Come with us. Comradeship, easy money, and the feeling of empowerment offered by groups or gangs is a strong temptation to the young person who will feel overwhelmed by the difficulties of life. Solomon described the words of sinners in terms of their real meaning and effect and not what they actually said. Surely such sinners would appeal to riches and quick gain and not merely invite this one to shed blood. Solomon tells us to hear what people mean with such promises of quick and easy riches. Verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in the wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. The guidance from father to son was simple and clear. Stay away from the wicked and all their plotting. 
because their feet lead to evil. Verses 20 and 21. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in chief corner concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. Verse 20, wisdom calls aloud outside. Solomon presents wisdom as a person. Solomon presents wisdom as a woman who offers her guidance and help to the world. Her cry is aloud but often ignored. In the verses, in the 10 verses before that, what we get is we get the enticement of sin. And now we get the call of wisdom. Um, sometimes what I think is, 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 this is just me personally, sometimes, you know, sin is so evident out there. Um, I lived in a, I, I grew up, I went to school in an early, easier age, I think. Things were simple for me. I had a men's toilet or a boy's toilet and I had a girl's toilet. So that was really simple. You know, things are complicated now and there is a school, which I won't name, but it is in this area, that they have a boy's toilet, they have a girl's toilet, and I don't know what they call it, but I call it, They've got an other toilet. And that is for, uh, this is in a primary school. They have, the primary school had to put in a toilet. So what I'm trying to say is this, things, was, were, things were simpler for me because I had a boy's toilet and a girl's toilet. What I've found now is, 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 is that actually um, sin is everywhere. And it's loud. Sin is loud and it's in my face. I, I can't get away from it. Back in my day, if I wanted a certain magazine, I had to go to a gas station to buy a magazine. Today, all I have to do is just flick to the right page on my phone in my own home. So what I'm trying to say is sin is in your face and it's loud. What I fell into the mistake of thinking was because sin was loud that there wasn't another voice. And there is. Look, wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. One of the greatest, greatest tragedies is that there's so much noise that, can't, that people can't hear the things they really need to hear. God is trying to get through to them with the voice of wisdom, inviting sinners to repentance but all they hear are the confused communications, the clutter, and the foolish voices that lead them farther away from the truth. Who is it? She raises her voice in the open squares, the chief concourses, the gates. Wisdom presents herself to everyone. Wisdom is for everyone. That's all it's saying. Wisdom is for everyone, for everyone in any situation and in any place. Wisdom to be a houseman. Wisdom to be a policeman. Wisdom to be a muso. Wisdom is everywhere. Wisdom to go to school. Wisdom is everywhere. And the last thing it says in here is enjoy your holiday. <laughs> so, I'm, look, we're just Proverbs 1. It's going to break it down. I just want to encourage us that it has a house this year. Things are going to change and things are going to shift. And there are going to be some physical changes that, that uh, may not be physically 
manifested this year, but the, the groundwork and the plans are going to go in. So what will happen is, is the way that this building looks now is not how this building is going to be. And so one day we'll be sitting there going, wow, do you remember when the way that this building looked like? So that's the building that changes. As Joe keeps continuing pointing out, is, is, is the building is not the church, so we are. So what that also means is that, is, is that as the building changes, that we too, have to, we too are changing. And so with that, what I want to do is I just want to encourage us this year that I think that we just need a, a little bit more of the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is not a bad thing because it's a good thing. And what I think is, is, is that what God's people need is, is actually, I really believe we need more wisdom now than we ever have before. Because life is getting complicated. And if you're not careful, you're going, your beliefs could lead you into trouble legally. And at the same time, God doesn't want us to put down our beliefs so that we don't because it's illegal to be able to believe whatever it is that you're believing. But I really believe that what we're going to need is we're going to need wisdom. If you are a parent, I'm going to be honest with you, you need more wisdom now in your day than what I did when my kids were little. Why? Because the world is so complicated out there. The world is not Jesus-friendly. The fear of the Lord. I do. I want to encourage. I do. I want to encourage us that as a house, that we need we need more of that. Here's something that's not a newsflash. Sin is loud out there. We know that. We see that loud and clear. But this is what I want to say. Wisdom is out there too. And I do. I just. I want to. Um, I just. I want my heart. This is my, my heart. Is, is, is that we would just be a house, we'd be a people that would just continue to press in on God for wisdom. That's my heart. That's my heart. Are there any simple ones in the house? Are there any wise ones in the house? I don't know. You, you know who you are. God, yeah. I do. I just want to. Um, I just want to encourage people. Um, can we respond to wisdom this morning? Because that's what it says. Wisdom calls. Wisdom's calling us this morning. So I do. I just. Wa- I want to encourage people um, to be able to respond to wisdom because it's calling. You know, just as evident as sin is calling, call- wisdom says, "Saying hello, I'm here. I'm here for you." And so, in that, what I just want to do is, I just want to encourage people. Or you can stand if you want to, or if you can just sit. What I want to encourage you is, is, is that just right now that you just call out to God, that you would just cry out to God to say, "You know what, God, I, I could do with more more wisdom." Can we can we do that? And you know what? Maybe maybe what you need is is, is actually you need a, a, a real dose um, of the fear of the Lord. You know, maybe maybe that's something new to you. Then I do. I want to encourage you that that you, Lord, I, I need a real fear um, of you. I, I want a, a greater revelation of just how big you are. I want to be in more awe of you now than I ever was before. I want this year to be filled where everything that you just got to do in my life just blows me away just because I just it's just a revelation of just how big you are. Just when I think I've got my head around how big you are, you then blow me away and just show to me that you're bigger. And so I just want to pray that right now in Jesus' name. If that's you, I, do, I, just, I want to encourage initiative. You, 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 Jesus died for you. I want you to you to ask the Lord.
if you're a young person in this house, I want to encourage you that wisdom doesn't just come through experiences of getting things right and wrong. I just want to encourage you that actually if you put your, if you put your head and your heart into the book of Proverbs, that God's going to impart wisdom to you. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, and um, I just think, uh, Lord, in that uh, there was that tribe of Ishaka, and they just knew what to do at the right time, Lord God, and uh, it was just they had a real wisdom about stuff. And so, Father, we want to pray that in Jesus' name. I want to pray, Lord, would you release wisdom over this house in Jesus' name? And Lord, we're in all sorts of different uh, aspects of life, Lord God, but we want to pray for your wisdom in Jesus' name. Father, we want to pray that uh, there would be a greater fear of the Lord in our lives, Lord God, that, that we would be set, people would see that there's a difference in us, Lord God, because we're just in awe of an amazing God. And so, Father, we want to pray that. We want to um, commit today, Lord God. We commit Joe and Lids into your hands. We want to say thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for um, an amazing year that we're going to have. And, uh, Lord, we just want to honor you. We want to praise you and say thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I mean, cup of tea next door.